We are beginning this evening a new series. If you've been with us over the last uh, term, you'll know that we've been looking at the book of Jonah. That came to an end last week. Uh, uh, Sad faces on that one, because I quite like like Jonah, but there we go. Um, Over the next five weeks, we're going to be thinking particularly about prayer, uh, and particularly about unanswered prayer as well, uh, and uh, and how we can see that work in our lives. So... um, no, no, why don't you come and read to us from Genesis chapter 22? I don't know what page it is, but I'm sure you do. I do. It's page 22. Love that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so that's um, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 12, and it's on page 22 in the church Bibles. Um, and, yeah, you should have Bibles next to you. If you don't have one, they're at the back there. So, um, Abraham is tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went, went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He brought his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, there is that reading, a little bit more of it on the screen behind me. It is, um, I'm sorry, a appalling PowerPoint for those of you who like PowerPoints. Uh, uh, it is also a test from Specsavers. Uh, other opticians are available. If you can read it, uh, you don't need to go. Uh, so that's the answer. Let's uh, pray as we think about this passage together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways that it speaks to us in different seasons of life. And Lord, we come before your word afresh this evening. And we pray that you would dwell deeply within it. That you would reveal yourself through it. And that we would know you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So say we're going to, for I think the next four or five weeks, be thinking a little bit about prayer and particularly about uh, those times in life when God seems to be a bit quiet or a bit silent. What do we do in those times, you might wonder? Now, I'm a vicar. You might expect me to say the answer is to trust God, right? 
uh, and that's it. I can just sit down again now uh, or move to the piano. Trust, that's all we need to think about. That's the only thing. Uh, actually, all week I've had a, a hymn running around my head. We didn't sing it. Um, uh, you might remember it or know it. Trust and obey. Uh, it's an ancient hymn. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus uh, than to trust and obey. Uh, maybe we'll sing it later. Probably not. Um, this passage has within it three different groups of people who are all in three different situations, two individuals and a group of people. And in some of these situations and some of these places of silence that we find ourselves, we may find ourselves in a similar relationship as we see these people in this passage. So the first people that we come across uh, that I want to think about for a moment is actually the servants Uh, He, that's Abraham, it says in the passage, said to the servants, stay here with the donkey for a while, and I and the boy will go over there, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, as servants, they may well be used to being on the sidelines a bit. They may well be used to being asked to wait for stuff. Uh, They may well be used to seeing all of the activity happening over there, and not much happening over here. But I wonder if for one or two of us this evening, life feels a little bit like that. With all of the activity happening over there and not much happening over here. There are times when the Lord tells us to wait here, to stop. Maybe to do something, something maybe we don't even understand. But at these times, it may well be that there seems to be loads happening over there. They seem to be on fire for Jesus. They seem to be doing things. They seem to be seeing miracles. And yet for us, maybe we don't. I'm I'm really keen that we start and begin to share testimony with each other, where we've seen God at work in our lives over the last uh, few days. Because it is great for raising our expectation. It's great for raising our faith. It's great uh, to see God at work amongst us. But there is a necessary consequence of that, that those of us who feel like we're in this season, where everything's happening over there, might feel even more distant might feel like what's going on. God says to us in these seasons, trust, trust and obey. There have been times in my life when this has been the case, possibly most notably uh, when I was going through the discernment process to see whether or not I should uh, be a vicar. Uh, Most of you will probably know that they said no the first time uh, that I went through it. Uh, and, uh, And I had a significant time of waiting following that no from them not really understanding what was going on. And it was especially hard because I had friends and colleagues who I knew who did get through. And it all seemed to be happening for them and nothing seemed to be happening for me. And I didn't understand why. Waiting, particularly when we wait without any real understanding of what's going on, can be really very hard. But all the servants are told here is to wait. As far as we know, they don't argue and say, but we want to come with you. We want to worship as well. Uh, they, don't, they don't go off and get Costa or do something else. Uh, perhaps they wait. Now, I've uh, promoted this book before. It's uh, St. Jude's. You may not have seen it. It's called The Meaning in the Waiting by Paula Gooder. It's actually an Advent book before Christmas. Uh, it would work as well as a Lent book. It's a really good short book thinking about seasons of waiting. And if you feel like this is speaking to you particularly, it might be helpful. You can borrow this one or get a copy. Paula 
compares these times of waiting on our lives, and I've said this before, to the time when we wait for a baby to come along. Uh, Jess and I have just been through that as we waited for Zeth. It can be frustrating, tempting to be frustrating. And there might be some physical growth going on, uh, particularly for the mother, but there's not much going on in the outside world. And it's easy to wish away that time and wish it would come along sooner. But the reality is there's loads of activity going on inside as cells multiply, as the baby is grown. The body is at work, growing this new life. We just can't see it. And if we stop and think about it, we don't want that time to end any sooner. If we find ourselves in one of those situations where stuff seems to be happening over there, and we're called to wait, it's important to stay connected with the Father, to know his presence, and to trust him and obey him. The second person in this story I just want to think about for a moment is Isaac. Isaac doesn't really understand what's going to happen here. He hasn't got a clue what is planned, but he trusts that it is for the best. He does ask his questions of his father for clarity. Uh, Where's the lamb? But he doesn't get much clarity in return. But he trusts and he obeys, doing each task as he's asked to do it. Sometimes in our lives, our relationship with trust with God can feel a bit more like this. Perhaps we can see the next step in front of us, but we can't see much uh, beyond that. My story of getting here to St Jude's felt an awful lot like that. And in fact, actually, since I've arrived, it's remained quite like that. Before I arrived, a good friend of mine saw a picture of me crossing a river on stepping stones in a fog. Uh, And I could see the stone that I was stood on fairly clearly. I could just about make out the stone beyond it, but I had no idea uh, what was beyond that. And as we we lead and we go forward in this church, that's very clearly how the Lord is leading us at the moment. I see what's next. I don't necessarily see what's beyond. We don't need to know. We can trust him for that season. And these times, we need to cling on to what we do know, And we need to trust the Father in it. Again, staying connected to him. And then we come on to Abraham. Abraham, sorry. Abraham's been called to do something that he really, really doesn't want to do. He's asked to go in a direction that he really doesn't want to go. It's completely unnatural to him. It goes against everything that he would like to do. Hebrews 11, this is why I put some slides on. I think that will work. Will it work? Could you move that onto the second slide on the computer? I think if you go on the computer, you'll be able to do it a bit easier. The phone's just stopped. I'll read it to you anyway. Hebrews 11, 17 to 19 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him that it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham had been told that God would raise up a generation through Isaac, his son, and now is being told to go and sacrifice him. It's the opposite of what he thinks should be happening. It's exactly the opposite of what he thinks needs to happen. Hebrews tells us that he reasoned that God could even raise him from the dead. Such was his trust in God. So faithful 
was he. Now, I don't believe that the Lord would ever call us to do, uh, go to the lengths that he calls Abraham to go to here, not least because the Lord spoke more, far more clearly to Abraham than he'll ever speak to you or I. But sometimes the Lord does call us to do things which we don't understand and which may well be the opposite to what we would like to do. A little while ago, a friend of mine asked me to pray with him because uh, he'd sensed that God had called him to leave his job. He didn't actually have a job to go to. Uh, he had no idea what the future would hold. And he wanted to know whether or not this was what the Lord was calling him to. He, we prayed together. He continued to discern that that was what God was saying to him. He left the job. And God has been faithful to him in that. God has done similar things with me, not just with work, a long time ago with relationships, more recently, as I shared a few weeks ago, uh, with money, with so many things. Sometimes there are times that the Lord calls us to trust him, to obey him, and maybe even do the exact opposite of what feels natural to us. I used to wonder why it was that God doesn't provide us with a fax every morning or an email every morning or even a text message uh, or a WhatsApp to say, this is the things that you need to do today. Uh, Please, will you get on with it, Adam? I think the reason is because our relationship with God is exactly that. It is a relationship of trust, one which requires us to trust him, but also one that gives us space for our own choices. Often we fail. Even Abraham uh, failed a little later. God made the, uh, sorry, a little earlier. God made this promise to him very early on that he would raise a generation through him um, and, and give Abraham a child. And he doubted that promise famously and took matters into his own hands and slept with Hagar to birth a child. How often do we feel tempted to do what we, uh, what we think is right rather than necessarily what God is asking us to But the reality is the faithful God which Abraham trusted is also faithful to us. How could we be sure of that? Some verses um, that as I was preparing for this evening, sorry, some verses from 2 Corinthians 1 came to mind. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What does that mean? He's saying here that through Christ's death and resurrection, God has put his spirit in us, physically in us, as a promise that he will complete the work that he has already begun in us. That's why we can trust him. He will, he's already begun, and he will complete the work he has begun in us. So how are we doing with this whole trusting God in silence moments of our lives? If we're being called to wait, how does that feel? Are we maybe seeing the next thing but not seeing well beyond it? Or we do, we know perhaps what God is calling us to do, uh, but we don't really know why or if we agree with him. There have been days, a number of days in my walk with the Lord where I have wobbled and wondered, did God really say that? Did God really call me uh, to be the vicar of St. Jude's? Did God really call me to do this? Did God really tell me to do that? On those days, these words from Romans 4 uh, have helped more than anything. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. We can trust him in times of difficult, in times of silence. We can come to him and we can know him with us. I wonder if you'll stand with me and we'll pray together.